The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. Okay, welcome back. Welcome back. Good morning, Refuge Church. Morning, morning. Okay. Well, I know you, along with me, are are sad that it's still so sunny out. <laughs> with the onset of fall this week, Thursday is the first day of fall. You know, I was going to preach on Peter, but then. Uh, Nate said he was punting that verse, so I, I feel like I just have to uh, preach a whole new sermon on uh, how we can hate each other well. Um, yeah, that was a joke. <clears throat> so, <laughs> I'm going to start by, by praying for us. We start every time with a prayer of confession. Uh, today's going to be a little different, though. I uh, Many of our weeks are... Um, have a theme, I think, uh, whether it's a, an emotion we feel or an experience we've had. And what I want to invite you guys into before I pray for us is, is just a time of silence to think over your week. And if there's a word or an emotion that, that sticks out to you, it could be, man, I just was frustrated this week. I was impatient this week. I, I felt great this week. I had a joy-filled week. It, it could be any one of those. I was Honestly, I was anxious all week. If, if there is a word that sticks out to you, whether that's from this week or even just yesterday, um, to find that and to confess that to God. And, and it could be a good thing. It could be, I mean, I great God, thank you for blessing me with such an amazing week. It could be that, or it could be, God, I'm at the end of my rope. Don't feel like I have much, much left. So I'm just going to give you some, some quiet time to... Think over your week or your days, and if there's something that comes up, an emotion or a story or an experience that you can just give to God before we start. So let's pray. God, you know the things that we carry into this morning, the ways we aren't necessarily even identified by you, but the way that we identify ourselves, whether that's happy or frustrated or stressed or distracted. It's the words you speak over Jesus in the verses we see today. This is my son whom I love and I'm pleased with. You speak that over us as you've received us in Christ. We are your beloved. We are loved. Help us rest in that as we listen to your word. I pray that we'll respond in active obedience by trusting you. All the ways we feel, all the experiences we've had, will be people that are known by you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I feel like we could just wrap up there. 
that we are traveling with Peter through his life. Peter, flawed and faithful. Peter loves Jesus, but keeps making big life mistakes. Does that story sound familiar? Peter is one of the most prominent characters in the New Testament. He is one of the first people to follow Jesus and one of the first to understand Jesus' true identity as the Son of God. He is also deeply flawed. Peter hurts Jesus more often than he helps, but Jesus never stops loving and leading him. In this sermon series, you will learn how a strong and beautiful faith can come from a deeply flawed individual who faithfully follows Jesus. When I asked that question, when we asked that question at the beginning, does this story sound familiar? I think probably all of us have moments in our life, if not the majority of our life, that we think, yeah, I'm probably far more flawed than I am faithful. And yet we don't remember a lot of our lives, do we? Uh, Hannah and I, we celebrated our third anniversary uh, a couple weeks ago, August uh, 20th. Don't worry, I haven't forgot, August 20th. We celebrated that weekend. And uh, yeah, thank you. It's appropriate to clap. Um, and we, we did a quick overnighter without the children, and we played a game that my mom gave us that they used and they would give to other couples called the ungame. And the ungame, you ask questions uh, to one another, and one of the questions was, what was your earliest memory? It's a really fun question to ask people because sometimes they have a quick response, and sometimes even if they have a quick response, it, it can sometimes unearth other memories. And so we were sharing early memories in our life, and it did the same thing. I started thinking of earlier and earlier memories, and it's, it's pretty amazing when you think, man, I, I can remember, I think, all the way back to uh, early threes, you know, which is somewhat hopeful in that I don't have any three-year-olds yet. They, we still haven't, uh, you know, screwed them up totally because they don't remember anything right now. But all of us have these memories in our lives that we can pull from, and it is by no means the entirety of our life. These special moments, I think of special moments, uh, you know, that I've had with my dad, that after he passed, we, right, we think of those. We're like, man, what are moments that were definitive in our relationship? And some are big, some are, we're thinking through, like, every birthday, my dad would, would take uh, whoever's birthday it was out to birthday breakfast. And I can remember almost all of those. There were these special one-on-one times that we had together. I remember when I was in high school, he took me to the Prefontaine Classic in Oregon, this big track race down there, and we slept in the van again overnight outside the stadium, and then we went in the morning, and it was this just super cool event, you know? Like one of those hallmarks of my life. But what we get today in the story of Peter is a special moment for Peter, James, and John. Jesus has called away three of his disciples, And this is kind of a crew of disciples. He had 12 disciples, and there were three that three times he called away just by themselves to have an experience with him that they could then go share with others, and that would so build up their faith and form their faith that then they would go and be confident in who Jesus was. And he does that with these disciples. Peter, James, and John get invited away to a special experience with Jesus. The big question today is, have you had a special moment with God? Have you shared a special experience with God that has shaped your faith, that is so important to your faith and should be so important to your faith that you can remember back and should keep drawing from that? 
Keep drawing from that well. Keep living from that experience going, man, that was so extraordinary. It was so special, that moment with God. Now, many of us feel like we have to have those every single day to have an active faith. And that isn't true. Sometimes you just get one or two, a couple. Maybe some of you haven't had one yet. This moment with God, you really do feel so anchored. Man, God was so real to me in that moment. And, and that is what we get here. There are special moments in life. This is our big idea. There are special moments in life that God shows himself to us in a big way to build our faith. God shows up in a big way to build our faith. Now, we know we've come a long way with Peter already. He, he, we've started with the spiritual hungry person that would travel any distance to go hear about God to the person who gets invited by Jesus to follow him. To the guy who's just <laughs> like walking out on the water, to the guy who's saying, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God, to the guy who Jesus rebukes and says, get behind me, Satan. We've had incredible highs and lows with Peter. And following that big rebuke, this big moment where Jesus says, you're not thinking with God's mind, you're thinking actually with Satan's mind. There's probably like very few things Jesus could say to somebody that would hurt them worse. Literally, than Jesus saying, you're thinking with the devil's mind. And that is what he just told Peter. And then we move into these verses, and it says, six days later. We don't know what transpired in those six days. We don't know if it was an awkward six days. We don't know if Peter stomped away angry, and they just haven't talked in six days. We have silence for six days, and then they go have this experience together. So if you have your Bibles or just want to read on the screen, Matthew 17. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, John, the brother of James, and led them up to a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. Just then, there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, he speaks up, Lord, it is good for us to be here with you. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And it seems like he kind of gets cut off. <laughs> While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Then the disciples, when the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except for Jesus. Again, I want you to read into what has happened, what's transpired so far. Silence. Six days of we don't know. Probably relative silence. Maybe an awkward silence because of what Jesus has said to Peter and then we enter the story. Jesus has invited them to come with him. There's disciples to come learn from him. If we listen to him, to be restored by him. But they really aren't called to do anything. They're just, just called to be with Jesus. To inhabit the same space, to be formed by Jesus. And Jesus takes them up to what I think would be a fairly uncomfortable, unfamiliar place for these people. Rarely do these transformative Things happen when we are in our spot. Typically, these happen when we're in Jesus' spot, Jesus' comfort zone, not our comfort zone. Now, 
they're on a mountain, it says, and we know the disciples are fishermen, so they're much better known for their sea legs than they are for their mountain legs, right? These aren't like, they haven't gone to REI, got the squeaky clean boots, and got fitted with backpacks, and they're headed out to the mountaintop to be with Jesus. These guys are wearing their seafaring togas, not their REI togas, right? So they're they're, they're going up this mountain in Jesus in a place that probably is extremely uncomfortable for them. They're used to feeling the, the breeze off the Sea of Galilee. They're, they're used to the sand and being in the boat. And now they're on the mountaintop with Jesus. Invited to simply watch and see what he's doing in his spot that is probably not comfortable for them. It's interesting. You read the, um, the Gospels and Jesus is always on the mountain and then you get into the book of Acts and they're always by the sea. <laughs> Jesus was always calling them up to the mountain and when it was finally their turn to kind of you know, <laughs> share the mission, they're like, we're staying by the water. <laughs> that's, that's kind of the Gospels and Acts. It's very interesting. So they've been invited up to this place of discomfort to see Jesus in his element not for them to be in their element. And interesting, so often it's the reverse. We want Jesus to be in our element. We want him to see our glory, how good we are. And that's the reverse is happening here. And something happens that is so fantastic, so marvelous, so glorious that the rest of their lives are marked by this special moment. Listen, John 1.4, the same John that was with Jesus on the mountain. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father full of grace. We've seen his glory. In the book of Second Peter, which the Peter who was on this mountain and the Peter who we're telling stories about, he wrote this letter and he said, for we did not follow cleverly devised tales when we told you about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, this is my son whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. We heard, our, we ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. This is years later he is telling this story in his letter. They were marked by this. We've seen the glory of the one and only. We heard the majestically glorious voice. That is this experience that they've had. That's what they're saying afterwards. But right now, I believe they're just walking up in very awkward silence because Jesus, six days earlier, had put Peter in his place. Have you ever had that in a relationship? You say something? All of a sudden, you're like, man, I just thought we were close. And honestly, I just don't want to be around this person. I think that was probably the dynamic <laughs> after Jesus had rebuked Peter. Jesus invites them closer. And there's three things that happen in this. Uh, The transfiguration, which we see uh, happening, literally the figure of Jesus changes before their eyes. The second is what we see is a revelation as we see Moses and Elijah join and then the declaration of God over them. So I'm going to talk through what they're experiencing and then we're just going to deal a little bit with Peter because he should be a footnote here. But what he does is so preposterous that we have to talk about it, (laughs) right? So the first thing that happens, right, they're going up, uncomfortable place, awkward situation, and all of a sudden, as they're walking, no words have been spoken. All of a sudden, Jesus 
transfigures before their eyes. And the way they explain it is this. Verse 2, there he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun and his clothes were as white as light. As white as light. All of a sudden, Jesus is shining before him. What is happening here, because we know comparatively as we look throughout Scripture, is that God is physically glowing through Jesus and in Jesus as Jesus is God, but veiled before them. He's been walking around simply before him, unimpressive, and all of a sudden they see him for who he is because this is the way God is described throughout the scripture. We lack the words to really say what God looks like, so it often comes out like this. First Timothy God lives in unapproachable light. First John, God is light and in him there is no darkness. Describing the Son of God in Revelation, his face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. Isaiah 60, talking about this time when we're before God and it's repeated again in Revelation, it says the sun will be will no more be your light by day nor will the brightness of the moon shine for you for the Lord will be your everlasting light and your God will be your glory. Your sun will never set again, and your moon will never wane. The Lord will be your everlasting light. And so all of a sudden, Jesus is light. And John, this, this experience, I believe, completely encapsulates the rest of John's theology from this point on. Because John 1, where he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And he just rolls with it. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness does not overcome or comprehend it. That's Jesus, light. And yet they'd been walking around with Jesus and had not noticed him. So we get in Isaiah 53, when, it, when the prophets, Isaiah is talking about who Jesus will be, it's like, he's going to be one that people despise, neglect, don't see. And all of a sudden, Jesus shows his glory. What, what I get here is all of a sudden, Jesus gets to lengthen his stride. You know what I mean? So I love running, right? And when I'm with Elliot and I'm running around the yard, it's, you know, to play tag with Elliot, I have to compensate, right? Like, I'm not going all out. I would smash him in a game of tag, right, if I went all out. I'd be like, boom, you know, like, that's it, you know, I'd run away and he'd just, he'd just be mourning, right? It, it would destroy him. So, but I don't, right? I'm like, I'm like, oh, you're going to get me, right? <laughs> That's what it looks like. And then, I'll, but if I were to lengthen my stride and go for it, Elliot would be, what? This is what it, wow, right? And that's what happens here with Jesus. He's literally compensating for the little faith of the disciples. He's going around with his glory veiled, and all of a sudden, he's walking, and they're coming behind him, and he's like, Boom! Right? And, and the light of the glory of God is shining. That's this transfiguration. Literally, his figure, what is inside of him, is revealed on the outside of him. That's what it means to transfigure the word metamorphosis there. The beautiful, 
idea we know with metamorphosis is the caterpillar. All of a sudden, you're like, wow, it's the butterfly. That's what's happening with Jesus. It's, we've, we've seen him as insignificant. And all of a sudden, he is the one that dominates the universe. And they get a glimpse of that in the transfiguration of Jesus. It's incredible. And then the revelation. Still no words have been spoken, but all of a sudden Moses and Elijah show up and they're speaking with Jesus. And we don't know what happens in this conversation that Jesus has with Moses and Elijah. It's never recorded what, what they're talking about. It could be that they're encouraging him before he has to suffer and die. Maybe they're telling an inside joke that they've shared in heaven together. Perhaps they're just enjoying one another's company. We do not know what they're doing, but we know the significance of it for Peter, James, and John. Because the whole Old Testament is wrapped up in the concept of the law and prophets. Whenever the, the, people, the Jewish people talked about the Old Testament, they would just hold these two big things together, the law and the prophets. The law that was given, saying this is how we should live, and then the, the prophetic word that said this is who the Messiah will be. And, and the greatest lawgiver in the Old Testament is Moses, and the greatest prophet was considered to be Elijah. And so here this embodiment of the Old Testament is there before them, speaking with this one, this plain rabbi that moments ago they were upset at. Right? They were kind of hurt. And all of a sudden he's speaking with the, the embodiment of the Old Testament, the law and the prophets, the transfiguration helps them see Jesus, and I believe this revelation helps them perceive Jesus. Not only is he amazing God, but they're seeing the link between Jesus and the Old Testament. He is the fulfillment of these things. They submit. The Old Testament submits to Jesus. It's amazing that these fishermen in their fishing togas get to be on the mountain witnessing this. And it is in many ways lost on them because Peter then interjects, and we're going to deal with that later, but it is after that experience that Peter feels like he has to say something. But the third thing is this, this declaration where God says what John will later describe as the majestic glory speaks and says, this is my son whom I love with whom I am well pleased. After Peter's spoken, God comes in and he just says this. He goes, Peter, I love my son way more than you do. See, Peter feels like, man, I need to do something. I need to manage this situation. And, and God just says, I'm a loving, pleased father. There's a lot of things, Peter, you won't. People here, you will not understand. Why did God choose this way? Why did God allow this to happen in your life? Why did not Jesus reveal himself earlier? Why does Jesus need to suffer and die? There's so many whys. Many probably are in Peter's heart. Many are in your heart. And when we interject or we speak up, God doesn't necessarily answer the why directly, but he does say, this is my son whom I love. I'm pleased. There's times he doesn't answer your question, but he says, you're my child and I love you. And you don't know the answer to the why. Now, Peter's taken this role of campaign manager, right? He thinks he knows Jesus best. 
But God's words, the Father's words, the majestic glory that comes down rearranges, puts in a new context. It's the context of the Father's love, which is not always understood, but must be listened to. Peter, your job isn't to make a couple tents. Your job is to listen. Your job is to listen. Now, even though this is a sermon series on Peter, I'm not going to talk about him a lot today because like you and like Peter probably you know, should have been, I just want to see Jesus, right? Like I read the story and I just want to keep looking at Jesus. Now, now Peter, there was so much of himself in his own heart. He could witness the transfiguration. He could witness the revelation and he still had to say something. Now, if someone ever says there's no such thing as a stupid question, I want you to point to this and be like, that was a real stupid question, right? <laughs> it was terrible. He didn't need to say it. He should have watched, listened, taken it all in. He is the disciple. Jesus is the teacher. Jesus invited him not to do anything, not to say anything, not to be anything. He just invited him to what? To listen, to watch to see the glory of God revealed. And that's the invitation to you probably most of the time. When you show up to do devotions, to read your Bible, to pray, probably most of the time, God's just inviting you to listen, (laughs) right? To be present, to see him for who he is. Maybe sometimes in those moments, to give you a special experience of himself that will build your faith. These special moments with God. Now, though like Peter, we might not always get it, we are told in the Bible that there is a day when everybody will see and in some capacity respond. It's Philippians 2. It says that the name of Jesus... Every knee will bow and tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Both those who have celebrated Jesus and those who are still in rebellion against him, there will be such a show of his glory and divine light for who God is. It says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Some still in rebellion because there will be such a revelation of who Jesus is. He is the King of kings and he is the Lord of lords. There will be a day of overwhelming glory. I've, I've re- read this here before, but I, I don't, other than Philippians 2, I've never heard it so well described as in Dostoevsky's Brothers Karamazov, he writes this, I believe like a child that suffering will be healed and made up for, that all the humiliating absurdity of human contradictions will vanish like a pitiful mirage. This always gives me chills. He says that in the world's finale, at the, a moment of eternal harmony, something so precious will come to pass that it will suffice for all hearts, for the comforting of all resentments, for the atonement of all crimes of humanity, for all the blood that they've shed, that it will make it not only possible to forgive, but to justify all that has happened. There'll be a moment when we see Jesus in his glory, that no one says anything. We listen and we bow our knee. 
For some, that knee bowing will be an adoration and some, that knee bowing will be a terror. And what you do in these moments where Jesus invites you to look, to listen, and to see his glory and respond to it makes a world of a difference. Are you willing to see Jesus and bow your knee now? Are you willing to see Jesus and listen now? Are you willing to to listen and respond in such a way that you say, Jesus, you are my king and you are my Lord and I want to live the rest of my day in that worship of you, which is what Peter was invited to here, but he so missed out on. So, I just simply want to wrap up our sermon with this. Look at Jesus. That's the invitation in this. Maybe you've had not just six days, maybe you've had years of awkward silence with God. Maybe (laughs) something happened to you, you prayed and you just didn't feel like you said anything. Maybe you've had a long period of time where it was just awkward between you and God. And my prayer for you is that you'll read this and some way see that experience. Maybe it's not yours and the, in, in this context, but by seeing it, you're like, man, Jesus, I want to see you light up the world. I want you to light up my life in such a way. I just stop peppering you with questions, but I see you as Lord, and I just start worshiping you. Like, Peter, I'm not just going to start saying stuff. I want to start just receiving what you have for me. I want to receive your context. I want to be invited to your mountain, not bring you down to my own insecurities and my fearfulness. I want to see you for who you are. That is what it means to follow Jesus and to worship him. Not invite him down to your context, but to go to where he is and learn to worship him as Lord. And so many of us have lived our lives just sticking our own foot in our mouth, right? Like over and over again, man, why did I say that? It's awkward now, right? And the Father is speaking. See my son, I love him, I'm pleased with him. And he's inviting you, if you come by faith to him as his child, to know that you are so dearly loved and to live in his context of loving relationship. Have you had a special moment with God? That special moment, maybe this special moment, is to build your faith so that regardless of what comes, you're able to look to Jesus and listen and be loved. Amen. It's good. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to go into a time of communion, which allows you to come before God. Maybe submit to the ways you've tried to invite him into your context. And communion always brings us into his context, right? Remembering that he gave his life for us so that we can live. If you believe that, we invite you to take it. If you don't, we invite you to make the decision to follow him. We also have Ibrahim over there if you'd like to be prayed for. So pray with me. Oh God, you live in unapproachable light. You come to us in such special ways. Sometimes it's just reading your word that we were given to enjoy and know truth. God, quiet the storm in our hearts and our minds. Help us to listen not just love you, but be loved by you. Praise in Jesus' name, amen.